I want to um, I want to welcome all the mothers this morning and thank you for your impact in our lives. I think I might need some batteries up here, guys, if one of you will come up. But you have made our homes, our church, our society so much richer because of your impact. And we love all of you. We appreciate you. We honor you. How many of you would say that your mother had a huge spiritual impact in your life? Okay, keep those hands up. This is one of those times in church when it's polite to turn around and look at other people, okay? Keep those hands. I really want you to keep your hands and look around. If you're up front, you can, you can turn. I would say maybe half the congregation this morning. Actually, it's on now, David. My bad. <laughs> I just wanted to make him walk up here. Honestly, it wasn't on to begin with. But... But thank you for your impact in our lives. It's, it's uh, immeasurable. It's incredible what a mother does in the life of her children. And we love you for it. So let's give our mothers a hand this morning, okay? We're, we're not going to embarrass them, make them stand. I should make all the kids stand, right? But a lot of them just left. So, uh, but but we, we do honor you today. As John has said, I'm also aware that there's some women who would love to be mothers. And you haven't been able to yet. Now, we have had some huge blessings from God here at Trinity in the last few years because a number of women who weren't able to have children have been able to. God has blessed. But others still haven't. I know this can be a painful day. So we ask God's peace for you. Also, there are some mothers here who have yet to meet children who are in heaven. And one day you're going to meet those children that are in the Lord's presence. I want you to know that they are with Him. They're in His hands. And so I hope that brings comfort to you as well. And I've always tried to be aware that every Mother's Day, there are people who are without their mother for the first time. And this Mother's Day, that would be me. Um, But I'm sure I'm not alone. I know Larry's here this morning. His mom and mine went to be with the Lord about the same time. How many others are here? Your mother's already with the Lord. Yes. So, there are a lot of us. And aren't you thankful that you know where they are? And I'm thanking God this morning that my mother is spending her first Mother's Day in heaven. Good for her. Where we'd all like to be. This world continues to decline. We're ready to go be with them and to be with the Lord. And so we're thankful that we know where they are. Now, I didn't speak at my mom's memorial service back in February because I didn't think I could. But her pastor said everything I would have said. He did a wonderful job because he knew her and he knew her life and he knew uh, about her spiritual life. And so he did a great job of of sharing uh, about mom and 
I want to tell you a little bit about her today, okay? And I'm headed somewhere with this. So it's not just talking about me and, and my family. But I want to tell you a few things about my mother. <clears throat> she spent most of her life in what some people would consider a very obscure, simple lifestyle. She was a homemaker, a different generation. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a grandmother, mother to three, grandmother to seven, great-grandmother to eight, great-great-grandmother to a couple. Eighty-seven years she had, and she had an impact on all those generations. She lived in the same farmhouse in Floyd for most of her life. I'm not sure if I have a... There we go. There's Mom. And that's Cooper. That's Jameson Bethany's dog. Well, he's sort of mine, too, because he likes me. But that was last summer. Uh, we picked those apples, and uh, she loved her summer apples. She called them June apples. And she would freeze and, can, she free, would freeze and can everything in sight just... Even last summer, uh, we canned beans and pickles and, and uh, other things just right up until uh, she became ill. So this is my mom at 80, 86. Uh, she spent almost 70 years in the same house, same farmhouse. She actually grew up there, moved to town, as she would say, for a few years, uh, she went to high school, graduated, went to New York City, and then came back home three weeks later and got married at the age of 18. Now, can you imagine? And, and Mom and Dad were married uh, six, over 60 years before he passed, 1954. They were, she's been in that same place since 1954. Can you imagine? She was very frugal. In her young life, she milked cows. Any of you ladies know how to milk a cow? Oh, a couple of you do. Wow, I'm impressed. Uh, she took care of her kids. She told me one time there was about this much snow on the ground. She went to the barn to milk the cows, and she looked back, and here I was in my diaper right behind her. That's all I was wearing in the snow, following her to the barn. Lots of stories like that. Great Great stories. She grew a garden every year, as I said. She can. She, she was very careful to take care of her family. But not only that, she cared for other people. She took care of her mother until she died. She took care of her dad, who lived with her for six years with dementia. And he passed away at the age of 99 and three-fourths. And she kept him in her home all that time. Very difficult. As soon as my grandfather passed in June, my dad became ill in September. She took care of my dad for 12 years with COPD. My dad passed away in 2009, and she had 13 more years, and she was very content, very happy with her life, she never complained. She never looked back and said, oh, I have poured all my life into others and haven't done anything for myself. I never heard those words out of her mouth. She couldn't do enough for others and we couldn't do enough for her. 
and we honored her. And not all those years were easy because my dad was a functioning alcoholic most of his life. If you grew up that way, you know what I'm talking about. So her life wasn't easy, but I'm thankful to know that in his early 60s, my dad stopped drinking with help. And for 10 or 12 years, I had the dad I had never had in life. And I'm so thankful that mom got to see that and, and spend that time with him in those later years. All of my spiritual heritage goes back to that side of the family. I've told you before, the other side were moonshiners. <laughs> and this side, my grandfather was a deputy sheriff, and that's the truth. So now you know why I'm so complex. <laughs> Mom says a good thing I took after her side of the family, by the way. <clears throat> but she was saved at a Presbyterian church at a young age, a Bible preaching, believing Presbyterian church. Some of you have heard the name Bob Childress. I've talked about that before. He was a legend in Floyd County from the 1920s to the 1960s, built six churches with stone off the land. And during the Great Depression, he gave people a job and they would bring the stone and they'd build these churches. And lots of people came to know the Lord through Pastor Childress's ministry. My grandparents actually gave the land for one of those churches. So, so my spiritual heritage on that side of the family runs very deep. And my mom was saved as a young person, but I discovered something recently that I did not know. I was looking through some old pictures. How many of you like to look through old pictures? Well, I didn't used to when mom tried to get me to, but now I do. You know, that's, that's what she said would happen. I didn't have time. But I saw that my mom and I were baptized at the same time. I never knew that. Uh, I was about 11 and there was a big revival in our church and 20 or 30 people came to know the Lord and were baptized and the picture showed the, showed the creek bank full of people. And I was there and there was my mom. Now, I never did get to hear all the details of that story, why she was baptized in her 30s. But I was glad to know that we were at the same time. Okay. The reason I'm telling you this is because my mother's life wasn't perfect. Her home wasn't perfect. She had some difficulties in life, as you do. As I look around the room this morning, I see some single moms. I see some single grandmothers raising their grandkids. I see some women who do not have spiritual support. And maybe you feel like you're trying to raise your family alone. Well, let me tell you something. You're not raising them alone. You have a God, the same God that we're going to look at this morning, who influenced a young man's life through his mother and grandmother, is your God. The God we sang about this morning. You cannot stop Him. He accomplishes His will. When, when you need help, you cry out to Him. When you need guidance, you cry out to Him. When you're raising a family and it's, 
there's no perfect home. It's a challenge for everybody. So don't think you're the only one. You know, raising a family in this society requires a lot of wisdom and strength and determination and help. So turn to 2 Timothy with me this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to look at a mother who raised an incredible son with the help of God and her church family and her mother. You probably know where we are because of the name of the book. Timothy, who was named after this young man who was raised by his, spiritually speaking, by his mother and grandmother. I'm going to begin reading in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I served with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. That's interesting. Mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith, that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Who is the subject of this scripture? Well, it's a young man named Timothy. Who was Timothy? Well, he was a young preacher that Paul trained for ministry. And I remind you that here is a, an imperfect home. We're going to learn about this home a little bit. But we're going to learn of one of the greatest examples of a mother's guidance that I believe in all of Scripture. There are lots of examples when you start looking, by the way. But Timothy. Timothy became a co-worker of Paul. Paul put a lot of confidence in Timothy. He would send Timothy places he couldn't go. And Timothy would go. And he, he was just a young preacher learning. Uh, we think that, that, that Timothy was more of a, a quiet, timid guy. He struggled with some physical issues in his life, probably uh, had some anxiety. And Paul was, you know, the type A, the driver. And, and Timothy was more the, the feeling type who came along. And, and Paul began to teach Timothy the work of the ministry to which he was called. But I want to ask you something. Paul found a foundation of faith in Timothy's life. Where did that come from? Long before he ever met Paul, Timothy had a foundation of faith in the Lord. Where did that come from? Well, it came from his mother and his grandmother. And there's a lot of information about Paul and Timothy and their relationship. And of course, Paul wrote two books under the inspiration of the Spirit of God and named them after Timothy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your son, his name 
uh, on the books of Scripture. What his mother saw and how she was rewarded many times in this life as she watched Timothy mature in the Lord and Paul came along and took Timothy. He was called into ministry and then two books of the Bible were named after her son. What a blessing. And they're important books. They're books that we use to train young preachers. They're the qualifications of pastors. They're the moral requirements you, uh, of church leadership. You look especially in 2 Timothy and uh, 1 Timothy 3. There, there are all kinds of guidelines and instructions here about who is qualified to lead a congregation and to stand and, and speak for the Lord. So there's a lot of good content in 1 and 2 Timothy that's so critical to the church. And so we learn some things about Paul and Timothy through Scripture, but I want to turn back to a passage in the book of Acts. I think I have it up here. Go back to Acts chapter 16 if you'd like to look there for yourself or you can follow along on the screen here. But here's, here's the backstory of, of Paul and Timothy. Acts chapter 16, Then he, Paul, came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was what? Greek, or in other words, he was not a believer. He had not yet come to know, we don't know if he ever did, but so instantly we know here's a woman in a home raising her son and probably not getting a lot of spiritual support. He wasn't a believer and maybe he didn't even want Timothy to become a believer. We don't know that, but it's quite possible. Verse 2, he, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. He had already been involved in local churches and they already saw something in his life and they spoke highly. They said, God has his hand on Timothy. We know it. We see it. Verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go on with him and he took him and circumcised him because of all the Jews who were in that region for they all knew that his father was Greek. So the Jewish transition here. The early believers were Jews and there were things that Paul did to, uh, to, to prepare Timothy like circumcision as a young man, can you imagine? But he went through that and Paul was preparing Timothy for a ministry uh, to his own people and to, to many people as God called him into ministry. So we learned some things. His mother was a Jew who became a Christian. His father at this point wasn't a Christian. And Paul wanted Timothy to join him. So he chose Timothy to go with him. There's another parallel story. Who did Barnabas choose? John Mark. That's a story in itself. That's a story for another day, but it's a great story too. But it parallels this story. These are men who are going to preach the gospel and they're taking younger men with them of their choosing because of what they see in their lives and what God has called them to do. They see God's calling on their life. So, Paul used Timothy extensively. He sent him places he couldn't go, and I'm sure that Paul accomplished something that every preacher wants to accomplish as he took Timothy under his wing. He could be in two places at one time. 
That's a good thing to do sometimes. You need to be in two places at once. But he, he put a lot of confidence in Timothy. He let him go. He let him preach. He let him teach. He, let him, he, he didn't uh, hold back. He put Timothy right into the ministry and trained him in the work of God. So he gave him a huge responsibility because he knew his life. He saw his grasp of the Scriptures. He could handle himself in the Word of God. Why? Because he had been taught the Word of God since he was a child. Now, which Scriptures were they? Or they were the Old Testament Scriptures. You say, why? Because there weren't any New Testament Scriptures at this time. Now we say, we don't understand the Old Testament. Sometimes we say that. We can't understand the Old Testament. Imagine not even having the New Testament. So when we think of raising our families and teaching and raising our... Look at the advantage that we have. We have all this body of instruction for the church that's tried and true and proven that we can open to and teach our children and teach our families and teach our people. We teach you from these epistles that are God-inspired that the Apostle Paul was used to write. And here was Timothy right in the middle of all this. Two books bearing his name. What an amazing story. What a great story. So Timothy already had some maturity in the Lord before he ever met Paul. And he got it from his mother and grandmother. Now, who was his mother? Her name was Eunice. Interesting to me that Paul would reference Timothy's mother and grandmother. You know, some people say because Paul was single that he was biased against women. That's not true. That is not true at all. I've heard that, especially from liberal perspectives, that, you know, Paul was a chauvinist and Paul was this and Paul was that and that he didn't care for women and so forth. That is not true. You look at what Paul says about women in Scripture, and here's one example. He named these two women by name, and I'm glad that he did, aren't you? See the, the personal touch that God used to, to honor two women who honored God and who poured their lives into this young preacher named Timothy that God would use in great ways, but God was very careful to give credit where credit was due. To two women who taught, who prayed, who led this young man, who helped him mature so that when God was ready for him, he was ready to step right into ministry. And Paul recognized that. And he gave credit where credit was due. Now, we don't know a lot of detail about Eunice's life beyond that. But let me, let me just share a few thoughts here. I don't know this. But perhaps she married an unbeliever at a time of rebellion in her life. You know, that happens sometimes. That's not a wise thing to do. She was married to an unbelieving man. Uh, maybe uh, she was saved later in life, I don't know. But for some reason, she was linked up with a man, and we know as we learn the New Testament, and as we teach our children, and as we teach our young people, that if you're a believer, you're to seek 
a believer as a companion. Why? Because you're going in the same direction in life. It's so critical, especially when you get in the home and raising children. And if you're going in two different directions, what happens? Well, the kids get pulled. It's just difficult. It's very challenging. But sometimes people find themselves there, as Eunice did. She was a believer. Her husband wasn't. And if he ever came to, to be a believer, we don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe she, but, but she stayed with her husband and she raised her family and she as a, a single spiritual mom, so to speak, was faithful and did a great job. Well, how did she do that? How, how do you go about raising a family and where do you turn? Well, Eunice didn't turn to the view Or to Dr. Is Dr. Phil still a thing? I don't know. Is he still on TV? Well, you, you could probably learn a thing or two from, from Dr. Phil. Where did she turn? She turned to the Word of God. She knew where true instruction came from. She turned to the source of truth for family, for life, for being a, a person in a, a, an unsafe society. Everything that we need and everything that we need to know is right here in this book if we will seek it out and seek the God of this book. And that's what Eunice did. She turned to the Word. And she made some wise decisions. And it was reflected in her, her family. What were these decisions? Well... I'll share them with you this morning because your greatest work, ladies, your greatest work, mothers, will take place in the walls of your own home. Let me say that again. Your greatest work, the greatest thing you will ever accomplish in life are going to take place within the walls of your own home. Now, I know that is not popular in the day in which we live. That doesn't mean you can't do anything else but stay in the walls of your home, okay? Lots of women accomplish lots of different things, but their priority is their home and their family. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, our society runs totally against that, doesn't it? You don't want to be a slave to your husband. You don't want to be a slave to your children. You don't want that, that is totally contrary to Scripture and what God teaches. You know, my mother never ever complained about serving others. And that was largely her life. And when she closed her eyes in death, she was content with the life. Nobody ever made her do anything. She did what she wanted to do with her life and her heart. And... Lots of that was serving others. So the greatest thing that you will accomplish, and you may accomplish lots of great things outside your home. I'm not saying that you won't and that they won't be remembered and that they're not significant. But the greatest things that you will do as a mother will be right inside the walls of your home. Now, what were the decisions that 
Eunice made that made her a great mother and a great influence in her home? Well, she gave her child, and there may have been other children, the best things that a mother can give. You want to know the best things you can give your child? Well, here's, here's a short list, okay? You can add to this list because there's a lot of things I can't talk about this morning. But the best things that a mother can give her child, number one, number one, the gospel. What a privilege to lead your child to Christ in your home. To... Teach them what the Bible says. And by the way, if you tell, what is part of the gospel? Well, the gospel is that Jesus died, was buried, for our, uh, was buried and rose again for our sins. That's what we must believe in order to be saved. But what do we have to believe in order to come to that point? That it is our sin for whom Christ died. You will not scar your child by telling them that they are a sinner. In fact, you will save their soul from hell. So don't believe that lie that what, if, if you tell your child they're a sinner, it might scar them for life. No, if you don't tell them the truth, then they are destined to suffering for life. See, that, happens in the, that should happen in the home. It doesn't always happen in the home. Sometimes it happens at church. Sometimes it happens in another place. But what a privilege for a mother and father to give their children the gospel so that at an age when God opens their hearts, they're able to understand, I need a Savior because I'm a sinner. And because I needed someone to die in my place and take away my sin. That's the foundation. That's, that's what you must believe in order to be saved, in order to go to heaven. And a parent can open the Word of God and share that with their child. What, what a wonderful privilege. Whatever age your, your child is, begin sharing the Word of God and sharing this truth of the Gospel. Now, we know from... Second Timothy, from these passages that we read, that it was very clear that Timothy came to know the Lord in his home. As a result of his mother and grandmother sharing with him the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> we began to share the Word of God with our children before they were ever born. Now, I don't want to tell you that we did everything right and everything perfect because we didn't. We, we, like you, learned from our parents. We learned the best things that we could. We did what God led us to do. But before our kids were ever born, they heard the Word of God. Because we would read it to them. Because we wanted them to know from, the, from birth that this is truth. This is what you need for salvation and for life. And we also wanted them to, to hear our voices even before they were born. We would sing to them and read the Word of God. And again, I'm not saying we did anything anybody else didn't. But from the very foundation, we wanted our kids to, to know the truth, to know the gospel. And as a result, they were both saved at a young age. What a privilege to see them come to know the Lord 
as a result of hearing the gospel, of hearing the word of God. And then the rest of their lives to hear the Bible as the foundation of life. To hear that this is how you build your life. This is uh, where you turn for life. This is the major decisions. These are the major decisions that you make in life. And you make them according to the word of God as you teach your children. That's what Eunice and Lois did in Timothy's life. And as a result, he matured. He walked with God so that when God came and put his hand on Timothy's life, he was ready to serve and serve God as far as we know the rest of his life. What a foundation. The Word of God. I know we're busy, but nothing's more important than spending time with your kids in the Word and in prayer and sharing truth that's true in your life and needs to be true in your life. And by the way, you know, we live in a day when people can kind of take church or leave it. Have you heard people say that? You know, I, I just kind of, you know, I'm not that much into church right now or whatever. Let me tell you something. You are teaching your kids what is important. Don't forget that. If we teach our kids, and I'm not being hard-nosed about sports and other things, that we, we want our kids to be involved in lots of things, and that's, that's your judgment. That's, you do what God leads you to do. But what happens if we teach our kids that other things are more important than God? That other things are more important than going to church as a family? Something to think about. We're, you know, our kids will take what we believe and, and they'll expand on it and they'll, they'll take it to the other extreme. You instill that at a young age. You instill that in your family. We do these things together. We, we sit down and eat a meal together. We, we go to, to the house of God together. We do these things because this is who we are as a family. And this is, this is what God taught us to do. And we're teaching you. As they say, a lot more is caught than taught sometimes. So keep that in mind. The Word of God, the best thing a mother can give her child, the Gospel, the Word of God throughout their lives, and godly wisdom. What does the book of Proverbs say in the very first chapter? The beginning of wisdom or instruction is what? The fear of God. I am sure that in those Old Testament teachings that Eunice taught her son, her children, that it was rich in the book of Proverbs. You ever read through Proverbs? John's challenged you before, do a proverb every day. There is so much godly, so many practical things in the book of Proverbs. And we could go there this morning and talk about some of them. I won't, but you sit down and you just start reading through the book of Proverbs. You read through Proverbs with your children and your grandchildren. And they'll get it. If, if you, there's so many comparisons in life, so many scenarios in life and relevant scenarios in life from the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Let me tell you something, parents. 
When we turn our kids into society these days, we're throwing them to the wolves. You ask them. You ask, if you don't believe me, you ask them what their world is like. You ask them what their society is like. You ask them what it's like on the bus going to school and in the hallways of school. They need, they need to be spiritually street smart. Long before they get there, from the book of books, especially from the book of Proverbs, there are so many scenarios there that your kids can learn. and They need to be prepared before you just turn them loose in the world and they face all that they're facing. They need to have some confidence that they know, even though other people don't know because they're not taught, and that's, that's what our society is, totally biblically illiterate, almost. No concept of God and, and of uh, family and of what God teaches. Here we are with all these gender issues and here are your kids going right. They need to be taught from the Word of God long before they face society. And if they are, they can survive it. They can make it. They have a foundation. They come back to the Word of God and God says... This is what I say. This is what the world is like because it's a fallen world. It's a lost world. But here's how you're to live in contrast to the world that you're in. They need that so desperately. Teach them. Help them to, to become wise. To understand what they're facing. And then... Guide them as they go out and pray for them. You never stop praying for your kids, do you? You never stop praying. You know, your, your kids are in your home. You can kind of tell what's going on. But when they start getting out on their own, your prayer life goes like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? When they're out of your sight, your prayer life accelerates. But you draw on what you poured into them and what you have taught them and the equity of the Word of God that you put in their life and you trust God to keep them and to teach them and to help them to stand and to be strong because of decisions that they made long, long ago as a child throughout their lives. The best things a mother can give her child, the Gospel, the Word of God, godly wisdom, and then what I'm talking about this morning, a foundation for life. They need to know this is what life is about and this is what is important. And this is, these are the things that aren't important in life, but these are critical. What you believe makes you who you are. You become what you really believe. And as you teach your children and as the Word of God is instilled in them and they begin to take it as their own and they begin to live it out, they have a foundation for life. Now, what foundation would Lois have, uh, and Eunice have taught Timothy? Well, go back to Deuteronomy. I don't have this on the screen, so you'll have to scroll back there or turn back there. Deuteronomy. This probably would have been a central passage in the life of a Jewish child and of a young Christian at this time as the church was in transition, the church was being formed, the time in which Timothy lived. But go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11. 
verse 18. Therefore, talking about the Word of God, talking about the words of a parent, talking about a parent who's lived and applied the Word of God to their lives. Timothy, therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God. It it's becomes a part of you so that when you look at life, it automatically flows out of you. This is what God has said and this is what God has taught. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And here's instruction to parents. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when... When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. All these scenarios of life. You know when you teach your children the most sometimes? When you're not teaching your children. You know, you're just hanging out. You're working together with your son. You know... You, you confront your son with all these questions and what happens? He gets to a certain age and he just shuts up. You know, he, but when you're out working or when you're out, play, when you're out doing other things, you can discuss these things and it's just kind of natural. Same with your daughter. You know, there are formal times that we teach and there are formal times that we say, okay, now we're going to open the Word of God and we're going to read the Word of God. But there are informal times when you sit, when you rise, when you're walking by the way, when you're just doing things in life, sometimes that's when kids get more from you than any other time. That's why you have to be careful. That's why you have to be careful what they're seeing and what they're hearing. What you're not saying, but what you're living, and they see it in your life. You know, we're constantly teaching others. They're constantly learning from us. Wise instruction. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, what's the first thing you do in the morning? What's the last thing you do at night? And you shall write them, listen to this, you shall write them, the words of God, on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Do you have scripture in your house? You know, that's a wonderful thing to do. Have your house filled with Scripture. As for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua says. Now, that's, it's not enough just to put a plaque up. You know, you have to live it. And you have to mean it. And you have, but it's a wonderful thing for your family to see Scripture throughout your house, on your doorposts, on your gates. Why? That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Now this was a Jewish context, wasn't it? The land was coming. God promised them a land. They promised them, but it's true for us too because we are looking at the next generation of believers as the Lord tarries. We're training them. 
the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. As parents, we train the next generation. As grandparents, you may have a greater impact training the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. Just a different relationship. What a wonderful time for you to come along and help your children train their children in the things of God. Now be careful. Don't be a controlling mother-in-law, okay? I might preach a message about that someday. By the way, I love my mother-in-law. We were just with her this weekend. And <clears throat> honestly, she'd come live with me anytime. Uh, one time she came to our church and one of the ladies said, Well, did you enjoy your visit with your mother-in-law? And I said, well, all I can think of is, thank God and Greyhound, she's gone. Well, I was joking, you know, but they never forgave me of that. They, so I don't tell any mother-in-law jokes. Sometimes the first thing that comes to your mind is not the good thing to say, right? <laughs> but don't be a controlling grandparent. Don't fight against your kids in the way they're... Help them. That's what Lois did with Eunice. Here she was in a tough situation... It probably wasn't ideal, probably not the situation, but she helped her daughter raise her son and helped her in the way that she needed help. Not condemning, not pushing against her, not saying, well, when I was young, this is the way we did. Well, maybe it was, and maybe that's ideal, and maybe, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. You know, Lois was a big help to her daughter in a difficult situation raising her son in an imperfect home. Now, is your home perfect? No, I'll go ahead and say that. Is our home perfect? No. No perfect homes. So, lay all the guilt aside. Okay? We are where we are. For various reasons, we are where we are. Sometimes... You can strive to do everything you know to do and your children still turn from God. And you never stop praying for them. You never stop. You can look back and say, I should have done that. I should. Don't do that. Don't do that. Where you are today before God, you can say from this day forward, here's what I'm going to do. It's what you lead me to do. Here's the influence I want to have on my kids. Here's the influence I want to have on my grandkids. Here's the influence I want to have on generations down the road. I want them to hear from my lips and see from my life that nothing is more important than my relationship with God and how I live for Him. The best things a mother or a father or a grandparent can give children. Here they are on the screen. And there are more. But I want you to bow with me this morning. Now, I know there are all kinds of thoughts going through our minds this morning. Some of us are thinking, I'm glad I did these things according to the Word of God. And I will continue to do them. Others are thinking, I wish I had done so and so. Don't go there. Before God this morning, where you are, with your heads bowed, just say to the Lord, Lord, from this day forward, you know, I've made mistakes. I've done things that I wish I hadn't. I wish I had done. No, don't do that. 
Say to the Lord from this day forward, Lord, I will do the things that you give me to do that will impact the lives of others. Starting today. Starting today. Starting this morning. Now with your heads bowed, I can't imagine a better time for a mother to come to know Christ as her Savior than Mother's Day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe you're watching online. Maybe it's years from now you're watching this message. And God's convicted your heart and you know that you've never received Christ as Savior. There's not a happier home than if a mother would give her life to Christ on Mother's Day. Or a child. Maybe you hear God's convicting your heart and you know that your parents love you. They've been sharing the gospel with you, but you've yet to receive. Maybe today is the day that God would birth you into his family as you surrender to him and as you receive Jesus as your Savior. Maybe there's some decisions you need to make as parents. Make them together today. Maybe you're a support person and you're trying to help your daughter or your son or someone with their family. God can use you in a great way if you'll listen to Him. Not just yourself. But what does He want you to do to support those around you? I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for all of our families. I'm going to pray that God would take this passage and we wouldn't just walk out of here and forget it. We would take it to heart. We would take what we've heard this morning to heart and say, Lord, by Your grace... I want to be the parent that you want me to be. I want to be, I want to have the home that you would bless, that you would want us to have. And I'm going to trust you for all the things that I don't know how to do. Single moms, grandmothers raising their grandkids, all kinds of needs in this room this morning. But I want to tell you this, God knows and he's powerful and he will help you and he will overcome everything every obstacle that you think you're facing that is impossible you seek him he will help you father thank you for the truth of your word you are a father to the fatherless you are a husband to the husbandless you are the one who comes along beside us in difficult times when we don't know what to do, we don't know where to turn, but when we turn to you, you're already there. You're already waiting for us just to turn into your arms and to say to, to you, I can't do this on my own. Or maybe I don't know where to begin, or I don't know where to start. You know, Father, and when we turn to you as your children, we know that you're already there and you're saying, Here, my child, I will teach you from my word how to live, how to raise your family, how to be a person of influence in a godless society. We desperately need it, Lord. We know what we're up against. In some ways, in some ways we don't even know. But we know this. You've put us here for a time. You put us here for a purpose. 
You put us here with a good job to do. A fulfilling job that no one can do but us with your help. And so we commit our lives to you today. We commit our families to you. I pray for the parents in this room that you will give them backbone, give them strength, and give them the determination to raise their family according to your instruction. We know we'll be glad. We're already glad. Because we see your hand on us and, and on our, our homes. But we need you this morning. And we thank you for your instruction. In Jesus' name. Amen.